Hi, we're the weirding hour. We're weird. You're weird. I'm Nina. I'm Bob. No, Ria. No, Ria. I did it wrong. Go ahead, Bob. Say it again. I'm Ria. Oh, and I'm Bothwell. <laughs> I think we did that really well, actually. I'm pleased with We are trying to do an English accent. <laughs> I was also kind of like Brian Blessed as well, the way she did it. I'm Bothwell. <laughs> yeah, we're weird. You're weird. You listen. Why do you listen? Thanks for listening, etc. We're, 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 <laughs> we're, we're, we're. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Nina? We are talking about curses. <gasps> curses. 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 Oh, Ria's just going to talk about swear words, isn't she? No. <laughs> and the history of swear words. I'm not. <laughs> um, we're also doing a craft because we like to make our lives slightly harder for ourselves, no matter what we do. <laughs> so this week we're doing wire. I'm doing yep. wire. Rhea's not listening to me at all and just playing with some pipe cleaners. I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm I'm listening. She is listening. <laughs> and Bothwell's waiting for her pipe cleaners to arrive on delivery, so I'm sure she'll start halfway through. Yeah. And I am sure the final product will reflect that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So we are doing curses. Curses. I am currently making a little car out of wire uh, because I am going to do a cursed car. <gasps> oh my God, is it Christine? It's not Christine because that's a story. That's uh, a story. That would just stop Rhea. Reading you a novel. Yes, so I am doing James Dean's car. <gasps> oh, little bastard. <gasps> so cool. do you guys know james dean yeah i've uh, heard of yeah. him <laughs> yeah like well. <laughs> um, he's uh, he was a famous actor he like was just shooting to fame and had done a couple of films in the 50s that were really popular and he'd like yeah quickly shot to fame suddenly got a lot of money um and things were looking really good for him and lots of people were big fans of him but it did not go so well. So oh, no. he was really interested in acting because that's what he did, but also um, car racing. So he was trying to get more into that. Like I think he'd done a few races. Um, so he bought this Porsche 550 Spider, spelt with a Y. Didn't he buy a car? <laughs> no, just a giant spider. <laughs> Because that's you. how you make a fucking entrance. <laughs> Check out my 550 spider. <laughs> I told you to make a spider out of your pipe cleaners before we started. No, it's true. You did. Yes, you did. I had pipe cleaners. I would be making a spider. Well, maybe I will make you one. Who knows? Just yeah. rub it in. Yeah. Right. You bought it. It's actually a Porsche, which... Is it, oh, it's Porsche, isn't it? But I'm not going to pronounce it like that. Porsche. Because fuck it. A Porsche. So <laughs> like a quiche. A quiche. <laughs> uh, he bought it in September 1955. He got it personalised with tartan seats, the number 130 and the name Little Bastard painted across the hood. 
Because oh, pretty. What yeah. a great, great name. I know. Um, so this is where allegedly the curse begins. Ooh, he shouldn't have insulted the car. I do wonder if it was something to do with the name of the car. Um, so on September the 23rd, he met with a fellow actor, Alec Guinness. Yep. Yeah. I don't know who that is. You do know oh. who that was. You played Obi-Wan Kenobi won. in Star Wars, among other things. Also, random note, when my mum worked for 20th Century Fox many, many years ago, he sent her a letter. Ah. So she has a letter from Alec Guinness. Sir what Alec it, Guinness. What did it say? It said, you know did you buy me a drink? <laughs> what, what? Uh, is, is he a see a drinker he was a massive alcoholic it kind of killed his liver that's why oh. he died oh yeah, he's dead. i don't know if it said that in the letter yeah he's very dead <laughs> he's been dead for a long time i um, don't know who he is how do you, you not know shout Obi-Wan Obi-Wan Kenobi, Wan Kenobi at me all you like but i don't fucking know well never mind eh what did the letter yeah. say i don't know i shall have to ask her and we can follow it up what in, uh, you I know that she—it's just a cool factoid. No, I was a teenager when she this... told me I had other priorities, like you know, washing my hair or not washing my she hair. She was like, <laughs> Alex, Alex, <laughs> look at this letter from Alec Guinness, and you were like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> I'm a Mom, teenager. Music you don't like and not doing my homework. Oh, we're very busy. That is very much like my my grandpa did an exorcism story, where that's the only fact I know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, so he met with Alec Guinness and showed him his new Porsche. Guinness, who was very superstitious, apparently, wrote in unpublished diaries. I don't know what unpublished diaries mean because so, someone's seen them. I don't know. No, it doesn't make sense. But uh, he wrote in them, the sports car looked sinister to me. Exhausted, hungry and feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness, I heard myself saying in a voice I could hardly recognise as my own, please never get in it. If you get in that car, you will be found dead in it by this time next week. Ooh, that's and it, weird. Yeah, pretty weird. Um, in response, Dean laughed, saying he was bound to die in a fast car. So you can see where this is going. Yeah. On to the crash. A week later, on September 30th, uh, Dean was preparing the car for racing with his like little team, and he was planning to carry it on a trailer to the race, but the car needed break-in miles on it, so his mechanic, Rol- Rolf Wutherich, suggested that Dean drive the car down instead of taking it on a trailer to break in the engine and so he could get used to driving it before the race. Um, the mechanic with a rich went along for the ride. At about 6pm, Dean's car hit head-on into a car that was turning left and had crossed over the centre line of the road. Uh, reports claim he was travelling around 85 miles an hour, but uh, so I think that was witnesses, but Highway Patrol estimate it was more like 55 miles an hour based on the wreckage. Uh, a witness stated he saw Dean's car do cartwheels and smash into the ground two or three times, oh. eventually landing in a gully at the side of the road. The driver of the opposite car walked away with a scratch on his nose, while Dean, unconscious, and Witherich, barely conscious, were both taken in ambulances to a hospital about 30 miles away. 
Goodness. Dean was pronounced dead on arrival. Um, He had suffered from broken neck and internal injuries, as well as multiple broken bones. However, despite being thrown from the car, Witherich survived with a broken jaw and serious hip and femur injuries. And it went to trial and stuff, and the driver of the other car was found not guilty with a verdict of accidental death with no criminal intent. So what they were saying was basically because of the low profile of the car it was a um like a little small convertible mm. um and also it was in the 50s so it's even smaller than they would be now with the really tiny little windscreen um so based on that he and the speed of it the guy who was turning across the road couldn't see it coming mm. um so that's the first first Spooky spookiness. <laughs> Sorry, first what? <laughs> what what do I mean? I mean incident. <laughs> yes. Oopy spookiness. Uh, next incident. The so the wreckage. George a man called George Barris Barris A man called George Barris I can't say his name. What? Barris. Barris. A man called like George Barris with a B. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Two two, two R's. Yeah. A man called George Barris bought the wreck of the Porsche for two and a half thousand dollars. And it was probably because he wanted to sell tickets to look for people to go and look at it. So in his garage, the car slipped off the trailer and broke the leg of a mechanic. Oh, God. Hey, what was the owner's name again? James Dean. James Dean. No, like. Oh, isn't James Dean dead now? Yeah. yeah. George so Barris. The owner. George I was Barris. just trying to make you say the name again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm absolutely cutting out my fucking butchering of a really easy to pronounce name. It's because it said George Barris purchased. And I was like, Barris purchased. You try to say that. George Barris purchased. Fuck off. We yeah. all know I have serious problems yeah. with reading and talking. <laughs> Reading, talking, breathing. Uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, I was re-listening to one of our episodes, and there's a bit where I clearly mean to say eager, but I say easy. Those words are not similar, and you just start with e. Yeah, I you mean... just you just let me do it. Well, we speak I... neither now. <laughs> you know what you mean. I should not be on a podcast. Oh, you absolutely should. Yes, for definite. Storm clowns. <laughs> if only I was going to say storm clowns content. Yeah, yeah, love storm clowns. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want them. No. Jesus Christ, can you imagine? No, nightmarish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, George Barris. Yeah. He sold parts of the car to two men called Troy Megahead. Troy, fuck me. Troy, Troy Megahead. <laughs> Yeah, Troy Megahead. Who's going to have the best say. names? How did you know that that's what I was going for? <laughs> <laughs> Troy McHenry. What kind of fucking surname is that? Troy Not as McHenry. good as Megahead. No. <laughs> Troy Megahead and William Eshrid, who were Eshrid. both racing racing drivers. Yes, that is his actual... I don't know how you pronounce that. No, I don't either. So they're both racing drivers, so they bought the bits of the car to put it in the cars of their own and they were actually in a race against each other 
with the parts of the little bastard in their own cars. So I think one had an engine and one had a drive shaft. It, during the race, Eshrid's wheels locked up for no apparent reason, sending the car rolling over in a turn and seriously injuring him. And McHenry, or McBigHead, or whatever you call him. McGahead! McGahead! Uh, oh, he lost control of his car and slammed into a tree and died. Oh, okay. that's less funny. <laughs> yeah. His name's oh, McHenry. Oh, shit. Rest in peace, McHenry. Uh, Rhea, you bastard. Yes. You little babes. bastard. Um, yeah, so he slammed in a tree and it killed him instantly. Barris kept selling bits of this car. So, uh, sorry, just to interrupt. Like, what were the parts that they had in their car? Like, were I the think one parts was the engine. Were... So, one like... of them had the engine, I, th- I think, and one of them had the drive shaft. Okay, so it does actually correspond to the parts that then froze up or went wrong. Uh, no, but stop ruining my <laughs> No, I just thought if they were the parts the, the, that had come uh, original... I don't think so. So I think... Esh- I th- were the bits that went wrong, then, then that would like be like, whoa. I think Eshrid had the engine and he was the one whose wheels locked up. Um, so I mean who knows if the engine locks up the wheels probably wouldn't lock up as well I yeah that doesn't seem I yeah we're all related here yeah clearly. we are yeah. excuse me I'm holding a wrench <laughs> okay <laughs> why are you holding a wrench I'm playing with it <laughs> I think she's going to smash the computer if we fuck her off too much amazing I'm really happy about it um, no, it's because I got pliers out for my wire and I also decided to get a wrench. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Uh, Bob's is back. I was just turning my light on because it's very dark in here now. Because of the giant storm clowns outside. Oh, shit! Hank! <laughs> 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 so, Barris kept selling bits of this car. Um, later on, there was some. He sold two tires from the little bastard. They'd apparently been sat untouched in his garage for quite a while, and during use, they both exploded simultaneously, running the driver off the road. Jesus. Okay, fab. But like tires. Fab <laughs> <laughs> the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But like, yeah, this fucking Barris. He's a fucking legend, clearly. But like. If you're selling parts from a faulty, like he's selling parts from a faulty car, mm. like you don't it was sell. The 50s. Yeah, but you don't sell on tires that have already been used. Those are the bits you replace with new yeah. tires. Like, there's no fucking wonder they exploded. Eh, I mean, I did look into this after doing my research and then some of the things I looked at for further reading was like some of these reports may have been blown up to heighten the myth of the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. So of course. if you could stop nitpicking every single I'm part of my story. I'm asking questions because I'm interested. <laughs> I'm well, at least you're curious. listening this week. <laughs> <laughs> so next, thieves. One night, two thieves broke into Barris's garage, attempting to steal parts off the car, but one injured himself trying to take the seats off and the other tore his arm open trying to take the steering wheel. They left empty-handed. 
Right. Don't be about to ask how we know that one injured himself when we know the other tore his arm open. Okay. Because okay. I don't know. Okay. It's probably all bullshit. Okay. That's but fine. I liked the story. No, it's a very good story. I wonder why they would steal those parts as well. Um, well, the seats he had covered in tartan, so maybe they'd be easy to sell because he was famous. The crash was very famous. Yeah, I suppose. But like, unless it was like a very specific tartan, like that you couldn't get anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely don't just know enough about seats with tartan. Like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I don't know enough Please about. Continue, Nina. I'm I'm okay with this story. <laughs> Oh, why, thank you. (laughs) So, then Barris decided to lend the wreck to the California Highway Patrol to use in highway safety exhibits. The first garage that housed the exhibit caught fire and burned to the ground, but the car suffered virtually no fire damage. Jesus. That's um, one of the main things I read about that they were like, yeah, that that was not super accurate. Yeah, because it it got singed and they're like, oh, it should have been worse. Yeah, probs. Yeah. Okay. Um, The next exhibition it was at uh, was at a local high school and it ended abruptly when the car fell off its display and broke a student's hip. No! Apparently. (laughs) Like, just stop showing off this car. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like... What what decade is it now? Is it the seventies now? No, this is still late fifties. Oh, so they're they're taking it around a lot after it's just had someone die oh, in it. Yeah, I mean okay. it was the fifties, and yeah, yeah nobody famous. loved that shit. Yeah, um, so it just it speaks more to uh, people having a somewhat uh, lackadaisical approach to health and safety. Yeah. <laughs> A little. Maybe it. Maybe the car's not cursed. Maybe the stand they keep putting on is cursed. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um. So later on, a man called George Barkui, Barkui, Barkuis, Barkui. He was hauling the wreckage. B a r k u i s. Um, might be Barkui. Barkui. But there's no Q. There's a K. Yeah. I like bar Q. A K U. K U. Which would be a qua. K U, Rio. Oh, right, fine. Qua. <laughs> I like how much Rhea is picking apart your story today. Like, how do you say these names? Is this real? Was that actually a tartan seat? That could be any tartan seat. What do you mean today? I just said, what was our last episode about? Because I just edited that and it's me like, I get to the point where I'm like, can you let me finish my story? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean I enjoyed it. Uh, it. I'm just defensive because I know a lot of this story is probably not true. But no. it's a good story. It yeah, is it's a great story. story. So, oh, this is not, this is sad. George Barqui was hauling the wreckage on a truck, presumably from one safety exhibit to another in a fucking high school. 
when he was thrown from the truck in an accident and the Porsche fell on him, killing him instantly. What? Yeah. Wait, so he crashed his own truck, thereby falling out of it, and the Porsche somehow came off the back and squashed him. Yeah. Was the Porsche fine again? Was the the Porsche (laughs) untouched? (laughs) I mean, the Porsche in the initial crash is fucked. It's like crumpled like an accordion yeah it's pretty fucking grim um and they they haven't restored it or anything they're just touring it around like that so. <gasps> what well they're not going to restore it why that's, that's they... the point that that's why they take it as a safety exhibit they're like Look oh, what can happen if you drive oh, it's like a, a safety exhibit i thought it was just like we're fucking macabre Oh, Look no. at the lovely car we like, and this famous guy died in it. Like I thought that was kind of there. Exhibit. Well, yeah. you know, if you were listening to what I was saying instead, I of was listening. Moaning. She was too busy nitpicking. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> dear. Um. Oh, last bit then. Um. So five years after the initial accident, so in 1960 the wreckage was being hauled from another safety exhibit when it mysteriously vanished on the way back to LA. (gasps) It and the truck it was on haven't been seen since. What? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Where is it? I don't know. That's why it's going missing. You don't know where they are. Yeah, I suppose that that is the literal definition. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah there were some things I read about that were like Barris like uh, kept perpetuating these rumours about the curses and stuff and it just turns into this like big story you know when people add a bit on and like make it sound worse than it is like the the garage burnt down I think they were like maybe there was a little fire but the garage absolutely didn't burn down because if it did then the car wouldn't be fine yeah so stuff like that but um yeah just i uh, i liked how much there was in that because normally a curse is just like one thing bam yeah that was the, i feel like at some point they just should have stopped trying to take that car around you know like after the yeah. first three deaths that was enough well i feel like the disappearance might be a deliberate disappearance you know yeah yeah if uh, it and the truck are gone like I just feel like maybe they got they got they got (laughs) they disappeared it on purpose. What is wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna find someone who can talk and replace myself on this (laughs) on my own podcast. No point in that. We don't want someone who can talk. (laughs) We want to take the piss out of your weird robot voice. Exactly. Did I have any pipe cleaners? Oh crap. Uh oh. Uh oh. You're in the craft again. What did you say, Gain? No reason. Um. Yeah. Okay. So my craft will be appearing later. (laughs) Yeah, that was mine, guys. That was that was it. That was very good. Yeah, I really, I'm really pleased that you told that because I had heard about this curse before, but I hadn't actually kind of read all about it. But I did know about his car. Um, 
So yeah, that was really interesting to hear. Mm. Spoopy. Spoopy ookies. So it's me next, isn't it? Yeah. I thought I would go old school with this. And I am going to be doing The Curse of the Mummy. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited. So this is kind of like, well, for about the last hundred years in kind of folklore and pop culture, there's been this sort of perpetual myth that opening a mummy's tomb will lead to kind of death or just general bad luck. Um, you know, and alongside finding jewels and riches and those skeletons that look a bit like they're made out of beef jerky, you will also find yourself <laughs> the victim of a curse. Wow. Beef jerky skeletons. They do look like that, though. You've been they? dead for 2,000 years and you look like fucking beef jerky. Oh my God, you've really let yourself go. <laughs> right? I'd like to see how you looked after 2,000 years, Bothwell. I'm not going to look that dry. I'm going to keep it froster. Yeah. Um, you're going to look exactly the same because you're going to pump yourself full of Botox. Exactly. Exactly. Fillers. And moisturize. I've been moisturized to the guards, Henny. Anyway, enough of that. So when did the idea of the curse for the mummy begin? Good question. Many people thought... <laughs> Thank you, Bothwell. You're welcome, Bothwell. Um, so many people thought that the idea of the Egyptian curse began with the opening of um, Pharaoh Tutankhamun, his tomb. So that was in November 1922. And it was the British archaeologist Howard Carter who um, who discovered this tomb. And it was quite an impressive thing to come across this because by this point, a lot of these tombs had already been um broken into by thieves or had sort of just succumbed to um you know kind of time and were not were in disarray but when they got into this tomb everything was pretty much intact uh had not been plundered so this was in the valley of the kings which was across the nile from luxar in egypt and basically they figured out that the pharaohs had been buried there from the 16th to the 16th to the 11th centuries and Anyway, so Carter, to uh, in order to kind of go on this expedition to find all these things, uh, was sponsored by a man called Car- uh, not Caravan. I've called him that all the time, Carnivon, um, and he was a keen amateur <laughs> Egyptian. Lord Carnarvon. Lord. Uh, keep calling him Caravan. You know, Will went as Lord Carnarvon to one of the lates at the Ashmolean. Fucking Did hell, he? guys. Yeah, I'll let you carry on because if I describe how Will was dressed, it'll explain yeah, what happened yeah. to him. So, but don't yeah. yet, don't yet. <gasps> um, I'm, now I'm excited. There's a cliffhanger. Yeah. There's, there's stuff's going to happen, guys. It's going to be cool. Anyway, so this fifth Earl of Carnivan, whatever he is, um, he was a keen amateur Egyptologist. And so he financed the project. And he joined Carter and his team to go and enter the burial chambers. And like I say, it was really exciting when they found Tutankhamun because, you know, they've got this whole mummified body, lots of religious objects, wall paintings, inscriptions. So kind of lots of stuff that would give them information in regard to ancient Egypt in general. So this find resulted in a lot of media attention not just for Tutankhamun and kind of Egypt, but actually for the discoverers as well. So after the tomb was opened, there were several deaths and these then became popularly popularly attributed to the curse of the mummy. So the first one was the Earl of Carnarvon. (laughs) 
Carnarvon. Carnarvon. Lord Carnarvon. And now I just want to say Carnarvon in Wales. (laughs) So I'm going to say it wrong forever. But yeah, Lord Carnarvon. So he was there at the moment of the tomb's opening and went in. And he died the following year after a mosquito bite on his cheek became infected. So he died of blood poisoning. Yeah. Um, And this was four months, seven days after the opening of the tomb. Six months after he had died, the first autopsy was carried out on the body of Tutankhamun by Dr. Derry, uh, who found a healed lesion on the left cheek. So basically said to be in the same place as the mosquito bite on the Earl of Carnarvon. What? There is absolutely no way to determine whether this was in the same place at all, because obviously Lord Carnarvon had been dead and buried for six months. Um However, this was one of those things that kind of fueled the fire in terms of um, this theory of a curse. Another thing which gave it quite a lot of weight was um, Arthur Conan Doyle, the British writer uh, and physician, creator of Sherlock Holmes, said that it must be the curse of the money of the mummy. Ah, the (laughs) money follow the money there's always a curse of money people but no the curse of the mummy i'm not actually sure why he was um chiming in at this point (laughs) obviously a he's famous b he's a man yeah Uh, he's a middle-aged white man so he's like i have an opinion yeah guys this is the curse of the mummy straight and yeah. everyone's like, what's, what's the curse of the mummy? And he's all like, oh, you haven't heard? Oh, let me tell you about it. <laughs> let me explain. Uh, yes, quite. So he basically said that uh, Lord Carnarvon's death had been caused by elementals <gasps> created by Tutankhamun's priest to guard the royal tomb. Elementals, my dear Elemental. Watson. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Conan yes. Doyle jokes. Oh, take an initiative point for that. We're not playing D&D, but if we were. If we were, you'd be winning. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, not really. Can I ask? I really want to know what uh, what Will wore for his outfit. Uh, yeah, like he wore like uh, a waistcoat and his tall lace-up uh, brown leather boots and like high-collared shirt. And, and like... then he just put a mosquito bite on his face. Well, yeah, but also um, it was uh, partly a shaving accident as well. So he'd had the mosquito. So he'd had the mosquito yes, bites. That's true. And then he was shaving and then basically got sepsis. Oh. From, like, yeah, doing that, yeah. It's true. Sorry, I did skip that part and I should have gone into the detail. It, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, I've let the listeners down. Um. Okay, now at the same time as that, you know, kind of this had happened, Lord Carnarvon's pet bird was also eaten by a snake. Uh, did Lord and... Carnarvon have a pet snake? <laughs> In the same cage as this pet yeah. bird. They're just best friends. I keep the dick. Oh, wait, where's Petey? <laughs> they just, just really like each other. Um, and his dog died back in England at the same oh. time that he died in Egypt. So people were like, it must be cursed. What are the odds? actually probably quite high Um, so yeah these were things that happened and people thought it's cursed other people to die uh, we have George J Gould the first who was a visitor a visitor to the tomb oh I can't speak today (laughs) 
He was a what? Sorry. A visitor. A visitor. A visitor. Uh, He's a visitor uh, who went multiple times. Uh, hey. I, yeah. And he was friends with Alec Guinness. Uh, so, yeah, he was a visitor <laughs> to the tomb. Um, and he died in the French, Riv- French Riviera on the 16th of May, a year later, after he developed a fever. So, I mean, what that has to do with anything? Not super, not super close. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it, does it? Then a member from Carter's excavation team, A.C. Mace, which is a great name, uh, died in 1928. So that is uh, six. Well, five years later, um, from arsenic poisoning, which screams of Egyptian wrath to me. <laughs> so, how many years <laughs> later was that? Uh, five, six. Yeah, it's all a bit, it's all a bit tenuous. Um, the next one as well. So Captain the Honourable Richard Bethel, who was Carter's secretary, died uh, in November 1929. So seven years after the opening of the tomb in his bed in the Mayfair Club, the victim of a suspected smothering. Oh, shit. Yep. Which got maybe, smothered. Maybe these uh, guys were club. just dicks. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, the like, rich, why are they rich. all getting killed? Yeah, because they're rich. But also, um, he was in a club, in a like bed, a, in a club. I, I'm guessing yeah, a, a gentleman's club, is... club. I didn't ask. Hmm. <laughs> just on the dance floor, like yeah, club. And then, like, someone just got a pillow. Yeah. Don't mind me. I'm just smothering him. You carry on doing night fever. Don't kill my vibe, man. Okay, wait for the drop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Annie's collapse. Pillow drop. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Okay. And so the last person uh, attributed to, to the death, uh, sorry, to the curse, was Howard Carter himself, so the leader of the expedition, uh, who opened the tomb. Oh, let he, me died. he died. Huh? Can I guess how he died and when? Yeah, sure. He died 40 years later at home in his bed asleep. I mean, you weren't horribly wrong. Uh, he died of lymphoma in 1939, so well over a decade later, at the age of 64, yeah, which was somehow in the media still attributed to the curse. <laughs> Cursed. Cursed to live another 10 years. Yeah, the Egyptians have given you this illness that quite a lot of other people have as well, so you don't stand out as anything special to say, don't come into our tombs anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Nice and clear. At the start, I mentioned that, you know, these curses of the mummies, they're not always death. Obviously, it isn't the Hollywood movies because you just don't want to see people having a load of bad luck. That's not as interesting. Um, But non-death related misfortune included Carter's friend, Sir Bruce Ingram, uh, who is a publishing entrepreneur and philanthropist, which I actually assume means that he was just born into money and did fuck all and just flopped around town going. (laughs) (laughs) Hallooing. (laughs) <laughs> halloo allowing allowed to halloo oh yeah um, i i just hate entrepreneur entrepreneurs <laughs> and people who call themselves entrepreneurs fuck yeah, off get get a job. Your, yeah yeah get true. a job don't create your own fuck you exactly <laughs> <laughs> but guys he's actually about to have some real misfortune so he was gifted by carter a paperweight which already a shit present, but it gets worse. Gifted a paperweight that was composed of a mummified hand. Oh no! With its wrist adorned with a scarab beetle oh, yeah. that was marked 
Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. What? Now, as soon as I read that, I was like <laughs> trying to imagine what, what this guy's face must have looked like when he got given this gift. Like, uh, thanks. No, I don't have one already. <laughs> I'll put it right here. Wait, I'm desk. just what I wanted. I'm confused. Was it like there was already something on it that was like the the original curse on it, or this is something that Carter had written on it himself? No, no. It was it was original. It was on there. To him shall come fire, uh, water, and pestilence. Not to mention been... a dead human hand. Just fucking hilarious. Just to cut a hand off and then just write on your own notepaper and then just tape it to it and then hand it to someone. Again, hilarious. Is that the... Well, I'm going to cut off this hand and... Mildly amusing that, like, you know, you'd found a, a mummified corpse and your first thought was, I'm going to give this to someone as a paperweight. Yeah. And then you, like, write a shit little note on it, like, all caps, tape it on, and you're like, there you are, motherfucker. Boom. Yeah. Also, the fact that he saw it and went, oh, do you know who'd love this? Bruce. <laughs> Loves her. Love the dead hand with a warning what? on it. Who doesn't? I want a, I want Anyhow, a dead hand. I don't want a cursed okay. dead hand. Oh, well. <laughs> that's all they had. Yeah, yeah, that's all they had. Nia. Cursed hand or no hand. Yeah. No all hand. right. I'll yeah, see what I can do. Okay. <laughs> okay. But soon after, before you, before you want that gift, Nina, soon after receiving this, Ingram's house burnt down. <sighs> then it was rebuilt and then it flooded. Oh, excellent. I wish it had burned down again. Um, well, next next should have been pestilence, but there doesn't actually seem to have been any of that. No. Maybe what, the curse got bored this? two thirds of the way through. Bugs. Yeah. Bugs. Isn't it? Pestilence. Like, yeah, yeah. It might well like, have been filled with bugs, but pests. they didn't mention that after the yeah. flood because they didn't go back in. But it just yeah. feel like if they came all at once, then they kind of negate each other, don't they? Do they? <laughs> yeah. What, if it's, it's like fire, fire and flood. It's pretty... Oh, 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 I see. And the bugs well, okay, probably burn in the fire, and if they don't burn in the fire, they drown. Okay, but what if the fire's at the sort of higher part of the house, and then the flood is obviously at the bottom part of the house, so you could still have a flooded house that's on fire? Then you've got yourself a sick tiki <laughs> pool party in your, <laughs> in your um, own house. Then right, you invite the neighbours over. So sounds- to go back to your your comment Nina sorry so pestilence is kind of like um disease like big disease so he didn't have that that wasn't that wasn't around unless that's what COVID is <laughs> and this is still attributed to the opening of Tutankhamun's tomb um yeah, it's well maybe not. he got gonorrhea we don't know I mean he could have done again I forgot to ask okay so theories about where this curse actually came from this is quite interesting because I had no idea. So the late Egyptologist Dominic Montserrat conducted a comprehensive search and concluded that the concept had actually begun with a really, and they use this phrase, not me, strange striptease in 19th century London. Huh. Please, please bear that, that the use of that word in mind that I got from this, uh, this article, which to be fair has used quotation marks, suggesting that Dominic Montserrat said it. Bear that in mind when I tell you what this was. So he said, my work shows quite clearly 
that the mummy's curse concept predates um, Carnarvon's Tutankhamun discovery and death by 100 years. He said in an interview, sort of just before his own death, that it was believed that a lively stage stage show in which real Egyptian mummies were unwrapped uh, in front of an audience. What? Inspired a writer <laughs> to write up and pen tales of mummies' revenge and curses. Um, and in fact, this was, thread was actually picked up um, by the Little Women author, so Louisa May Alcott. Um, she wrote uh, a couple of little stories called like Lost in a Pyramid or The Mummy's Curse. Um, so actually it was the idea that they somebody horribly exploited these uh, corpses by unwrapping them on stage. And this inspired some creative people to come up with the idea of a curse. But because people liked it as a concept so much, it's kind of carried on. Um, so that's what Montserrat said. He was very like, this is this is what's happened. Um, and things like Tutankhamun's tomb was just a chance for that to really kind of catch fire. Um, however, it was argued by another Egyptologist, which, by the way, I also didn't know was a thing. That's a pretty cool job. Yeah, yeah. To just know all about ancient Egypt. Um, but yeah, so Salima Ikram, who is an Egyptologist at the University in Cairo, American University in Cairo, um, actually believed that the curse concept existed way back in Egypt. And this was something that I had heard about, um, which was that it was the notion of being a sort of primitive security system. So basically, you know, you would kind of daub the walls with curses, suggesting that anyone who were to break into um, these resting places and disrupt them in any way, um, you know, would get some sort of divine retribution. Uh, so it's basically a way of scaring them. Daub. Yeah, like dab. But it's daub. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like wattle and daub. Like when you cover the walls. Oh, with... yeah. Like kooky mook spooky. <laughs> 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 oh, you mean like flobbity zing zag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that word. Like this other word that I've just made up. Stupidly. <laughs> <bookie. laughs> no, da when daub you, is a real word. When you like cover the walls with shit. Yeah. Wallpapering. No. <laughs> <laughs> Like more like plastering, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Come on, let me finish. I'm very nearly at the end now. Um, common threats that were made in these curses was death by crocodiles, death by lions, death by scorpions, or death by snakes. Just lots of death by various animals. Oh, which uh, would you prefer? Animals. Oh, probably death by lions. Uh, fuck off no yes at least you'd get to like stroke and hug a little fuzzy thing before you went oh you went. yeah stroking yeah well crocodiles scorpions or snakes are the other ones snake absolutely uh, snake absolutely uh, maybe a really poisonous one yeah oh, a very specific yeah like, yeah it was so ah, poisonous that really. i die almost instantly well you yeah. don't though that's the thing think about my golden mumba thing yeah. that i told you about well Viper. then i I don't know. I'd like to take a pass on uh, the deaths by. No, you have to choose one. Oh, what? Said it. Fine, the snake. Can you okay. die from a scorpion? Uh, yeah, but it's oh my god! Like scorpions yeah. are just fucking painful. Like yeah, and they'll make your legs swell up if they sting you on your leg. I guess if they sting you on your throat, then you're kind of fucked. Mm. Yeah, I'll take the snake, please. Oh. Apparently, an estimated annual number of scorpion stings is 1.2 million, leading to 3,250 deaths. So just a rate of 0.27%. That's still quite a lot. 
Yeah. They're ugly though, aren't they? I don't want to be rude, but scorpions, there's no redeeming feature there. Wow, it does yeah, feel it like you cool. are being quite rude. Well, I'm, I'm going just... <laughs> to own it. Gonna She's own not it. calling you one. <laughs> Rhea, you're such an ugly scorpion. I think they look, I think they make quite good tattoos. Get one on your face. <laughs> yeah, prove it. Prove Maybe it. Maybe I will. <laughs> tattoo. Put it on your forehead. Uh, okay, and then last and final theory about tombs is is it actually a toxin threat rather than anything else? So in recent years, some have suggested that the Pharaoh's curse was actually biological in nature um, and that these sealed tombs housed pathogens that were kind of really dangerous um, and could survive those thousands of years. And therefore kind of people would come into them and they'd breathe them in, get into their lungs and bedang. Um this didn't actually seem to really be the case, though, with any no. of the people who died as a result of Tutankhamun. So, irrelevant. It's perhaps. an odd theory to... Yeah, it's a nice theory. I like it. They uh... did find some of the ancient mum- mummies carried a mould that included um, Aspergillus niger and Aspergillus flavus, which I'm oh, saying... Oh, I know them well. <laughs> if I were going to have children, it would be their names. <laughs> Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> which can cause congestion or bleeding in the lungs. So actually, there were kind of bacteria and things, and um, but also I think staphylococcus. Not... No. Yeah, the first kind of deliberately. Like, yeah, disease warfare. Yeah, yeah. So basically, is there any real basis for the mummy's curse or the pharaoh's curse? And the answer is, who knows? <laughs> You're welcome for the knowledge. Love it. I really Thanks. liked that. Thank you. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning. I wanted to know more about that too. No, it's very good. Um, so uh, it's my turn. I'm going to talk about cursed tablets. As in iPads. Apple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're so funny. Apple jokes, lol. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Or, in fact, curses that people used to write during the Roman era. So, um, Rome, as you well know, uh, expanded all across the world and uh, took over lots of different locations, including Britain. Uh, And as they took over places, they also uh, spread their traditions and their laws and basically they just didn't have a a policing system so if people did shit you kind of had to deal with it on your own and Rome had kind of taken this idea from uh, Greece and various sort of Mediterranean countries where if someone uh, steals your shit you basically uh, take on the gods as kind of bounty hunters to go and fuck up those people who took your shit. So, what, like you commission them to like go yeah, and get money? Yeah. So these cursed tablets are kind of uh, beseeching the various gods to go and fuck those people up. Um, and it's great. And 
particularly in Britain, uh, they've kind of mixed up the gods that they're uh, writing them to because it's kind of mixed with local gods as well. And therefore, it's it's a little bit different from cursed tablets that you might find like all around the world. And people uh, basically had jobs um, of writing these cursed tablets on lead. Oh, because I was a about lot to of... say dream job, but <laughs> maybe yeah. not on lead. Uh, yeah. Can I do it on an iPad? Uh, yeah, you can now. But um, you will then have to deposit it into a pit at a Roman bath. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, think about the materials you want to use. <laughs> uh, so think about like, how sustainable this business model is. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, look, being an entrepreneur. Ooh. And a philanthropist. Yeah, Nina's new curse tablets <laughs> business uh, for all your curse tablet needs. Yeah. But the motherfuckers. The reason that people had these jobs specifically is that most people couldn't write. So they needed someone else to write the cursed tablets for them. So really it was kind of like this uh really exploitative business model where someone who can't read or write has had their shit nicked, and then they go and pay someone to write a fucking curse. The curse then gets put on display for a little bit because then it's kind of more powerful. It's more likely to come to pass. Mm -hmm. And then they curl up these curse tablets and put them in a pit. And uh, these curse tablets were found in um, Bath, at the Roman Baths in Bath, uh, at the King Pool. Okay. Yeah, that means so much. within, Within the Roman Baths, it's called the King Pool. There's another okay. one that's not called the King Pool. Um, it's like if you went to the Oasis and you went to the big pool or the little pool. You know? <laughs> I fucking love the Oasis. I know, right? So for our listeners who aren't aware, uh, the Oasis is a swimming pool in Swindon. And it's fucking dope. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So the reason people did this uh, at the Roman Baths in Bath uh, which is a city uh, in the UK, um, is that it was famed for its healing waters. And so a lot of these cursed tablets would call on the magic of, I think, Minerva Sulis, who was kind of a, a mashup of two gods, uh, like a British god and a, a Roman god of healing. So it's kind of interesting that they're writing these cursed tablets to a god of healing to fuck these people up. <laughs> yeah. I'm confused about I'm confused about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why you'd like that's not the guy for the job, you know? No, no, probably not. So these tablets were found in 1979 and uh yeah, they found 130 uh rolled up pieces of metal dating from the first few centuries AD, so kind of 1 to 3. Uh, uh, were they just they were in a pool? Um, they were in a pit, kind of to the, the side pools. of the pool. Okay. Yeah. People hadn't uh, just been like bathing next to them for thousands of years. I mean, they could have been. Um, so what does it say? When archaeologists first excavated the Roman era king's bath, the murky waters of what was once a sacred spring yielded hundreds of tiny objects. But I think it was more a pit to the side, if I'm super honest. Okay. 
Oh, sorry. So, yeah, Sulis Minerva. So the goddess Sulis, who was said to guard the spring, and her Roman counterpart, Minerva. So as I was saying, it was kind of this combination. And the tablets were kind of uh, considered prayers for justice. Uh, and and the most commonly discussed... Discussed? Discussed. discussed. Um, All right, Sean Connery. I, oh, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, what am I going to say? The most... Discussed. The most common theme was theft. Um, so there were a couple other things, but it was it was mainly theft. And it's, um, yeah, so Minerva Sulis or Sulis Minerva become divine bounty hunters who kind of now are going to be the ones who are responsible for these objects. So the curse tablets kind of say, okay, uh, Sulis Minerva, I give to you this item that was nicked from me. And then could you also fuck this guy up? So it's kind of like, they give ownership of that object to the goddess. Oh, so, so they don't get it back? No, they'll they never get revenge. it back. Yeah. Oh. Well, because it's the society isn't policed. There's no way they're going to get it back. So this is kind of just seen as, okay, well, I guess this is easiest. Because I can't mount an investigation to find the ship myself. There's mm. no overarching police, like, group who will go and find it so I guess I'll just ask the goddess to go and like if she finds... So it's just to make you feel better It literally is But also you just spent money on that Yes. Mm. What a scam Yeah, no, absolutely uh, and it's kind of some of them do it so they give half of what was taken to the god, so it's almost like a down payment, I give to you half of this um, you know, and you can go get this person and I can get my stuff back maybe, please, thank you fingers crossed, hope um, what kind of things would people be nicking in those days? Oh, yeah. I'm, don't worry guys, I've got some examples <gasps> ooh, cute curse tablets so, here we go oh there's some interesting names get ready to take the piss guys uh, of how <laughs> Always I'm trying to say this Okay, Dossilanius, son of Brucitus, to the most holy goddess Sulis, I curse him who has stolen my hooded cloak, whether man or woman, whether slave or free, that the goddess Sulis may drive him to the greatest death and not allow him to sleep or children now and in the future until he has brought my hooded cloak to the temple of her divinity. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, really fucking likes his cloak. Yeah. But I mean you gotta think that he, he might not have had that many cloaks. Like this might yeah. be this might be his only like You also gotta think instead of paying for that tablet, he could have bought another cloak. Well, a new cloak, yeah. Cloak v tablet, what are the costs? Oh, I I didn't investigate that, Nina, so I'm sorry. I, I didn't calculate and who do you give the money to? Oh, for the tablet? The person yeah. writes it. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how does the god get his payment? You literally... They, you get, go the, they get your stuff when they find it. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah that's, that's the down payment, yeah. So there's a few more. Solanus, to the goddess Sulis Minerva, I give to your divinity and majesty my bathing tunic 
and cloak. Do not allow sleep or health to him who has done me wrong, whether man or woman, whether slave or free, unless he reveals himself and brings those goods to your temple. You stole so, my bathing suit. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're starting, basically, I don't know why he's got a bathing tunic that he's not bathing in. But yeah. How do you know he's not bathing in it? Well, because I guess that these things are getting nicked whilst they're in the pools. This sounds like quite the little scheme. <laughs> so oh, you yeah. you get people paid to go in the pool. They go yep. in the pool. You steal their shit while they're in the pool. So you've got that shit. You then so if you run if you run the pool and the tablet business, then they pay you to write the tablet. Yeah, you're quitting. Yeah. And then they you they chuck it in the pit in your pool house. And then you just get it out, chisel it off, do another one. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah. You've Entrepreneur. Got these lead things. So that there was like 130 in the, in the baths at Bath. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go to some more. So I feel really sad about the bathing tunic uh, and the cloak. <laughs> you know, like he comes out of the pool and he's like, oh, no, I'm still naked and there's oh. no you know that's pretty sad so embarrassing well quite i mean he went into the pool naked and there were other people there but apparently as soon as we come out it's not cool uh okay yeah but then he's got to walk home isn't he yeah Yeah. basilia gives to the temple of mars her silver ring if anyone whether slave or free is involved or knows anything about it may he be cursed in his blood and eyes or even have all his intestines quite <laughs> eaten away, he who has stolen the ring or been involved. Oh, so he's not happy. Yeah, that ring's pretty wow. fucking important. Should have looked after it better. And then don't wear it to the baths. Yeah. Well, yes, quite, quite. To Minerva, the goddess Sulis, I have given the thief who has stolen my hooded cloak, whether slave or free, whether man or woman. And he is not to buy back this gift unless with his own blood. Gosh, people are very angry. Yeah, they're really very, angry. They're so angry. Uh, so Dosimidis has lost two gloves and asks that the thief responsible should lose their minds. <laughs> <laughs> not an overreaction at all. Sure. <laughs> Oh, that's a great curse. Yeah, yeah. Some other ones. Oh, 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 this one. Okay, Lord Neptune. I give to you the man who has stolen Muconius's coins, one gold and sil- six silver. Also, I give the names who took them away, whether male or female, whether girl or boy. Also, I give to you Niscus and to Neptune the life, health, blood of him who has been privy to the taking away the mind which stole this and which has been privy to it may you take away the thief who stole this may you consume his blood and take it away all right lots of taking away lots of taking away of blood and minds let's see and names yes well names yes uh, someone asks for someone to be cursed in his blood and eyes and every limb and even have all his intestines eaten away. Um, oh, 
may he who carried off Vilbia uh, from me become liquid as the water, may sh she who has so obscenely devoured her become dumb. So, what what have they stolen? A person. Uh, so, Vilbia is one of those ones where they they think it could be a girl. They think it could be like um, jewelry that's like referred to as a girl. No, it's it's a bit of a strange one. <laughs> but like to become liquid as the water uh, is quite a. An interesting curse to put on. Yeah, something. I like it. Uh, da, 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 Be a puddle. Yeah, me off. <laughs> I would like you to. Yeah. No, absolutely. Let's see. Is there another one? No. So basically, it was yeah, it was a cheap way of seeking justice, but really just making yourself feel better. Um, I guess just writing sort of horrible things about whoever took your stuff. Um, and then some people wouldn't put them on display, but if you didn't put them on display, there was it, it was a less powerful curse. Hmm. But the curses that you would put on display invited a possibility of a counter curse. So someone might see your curse and go, "Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I I'm raise gonna... you two curses now." Yeah, exactly. Sure. I'm gonna write it back. And then some curses were written backwards to ward off counter magic as well. Um, so the people who magic. already, well, yeah, the people who already couldn't read and write are now doubly sure not to read and write the backwards writing. Um, Smart. So, well, yeah, quite. So, and, yeah, go ahead. Um, I just the way you said it's basically you put it in a book and it makes you feel better. You write mean things. It's like the the burn book. From it's the original burn book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Except uh, the burn book would then have to be put into the king pool at Bath. Bit far. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a an interesting way of of dealing with these issues that you know doesn't deal with these issues at all in any way whatsoever i can see how it makes you feel better because if you if you believe doing that they this god is actually going to get it but obviously you don't get your stuff back because the god gets to keep it yeah then it's like well i won't even know if they don't get it and keep it but i'll no. i'll tell myself that they have yeah it makes me well, feel better yeah, absolutely. And and if you believed in curses, you might possibly believe that if you stole something from someone that mm -hmm. they would write a curse about you. So you might a not bit of a deterrent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I unlikely because deterrents don't really seem to work, but no. you know. If, uh but also uh so in the cities you would see this kind of thing happening at the baths and and on sort of more public display in the same format that I kind of read to you, like woman or man, slave or yeah. free. Um, you would see this. And it was very similar, I suppose, to the style of writing these curses that would have been in Rome. But further out from the cities, it was more like commissioning a bounty hunter. So you you would just say a memorandum to the god mercury so already the language is different 
from Saturnia to a woman concerning the linen cloth which she lost. She asks that he who has stolen it should not have rest before unless until he brings the aforesaid property to the aforesaid temple. Um, and she gives a third part of the aforesaid God on condition that he exact this property which has been written above. So it's a little bit more like negotiating. She's giving him a third of a linen cloth if he yes. catches the person yes. who stole it. Yes. This is making me feel hella privileged because these people care far more about their any of their possessions than yeah. I do. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, certainly like in the rural, you know, this is their jobs. Um, mm-hmm. So there's another one. I make a note of two gaiters, an axe, a knife, a pair of gloves, uh, whether man or woman, two parts to the god. So he, he's. I mean, that's that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that's his work. That's his tools. And he's like, he's offered two parts of his tools to the god to get it back. And so it's it's a more sort of transactional thing. Um, But that's really the end, other than to say. that uh, the Ashmolean did a late uh, kind of based on the Roman baths and these cursed tablets. Uh, with, the Ashmolean uh, doing a late is Ashmolean's museum in Oxford. Late is a late opening thing where they do special exhibits. Yeah, uh, they do. And they have events and music and talks and performances and yeah, all sorts of activities. And they uh, collaborated with Latin Now um, and I've got the uh, link to the website and they, as part of that late night event, uh, Spellbound, they uh, created little shrines for those curse tablets to go into um, and got people to create their own curse tablets. Cute. Uh, but that's it. Uh, that's the end. I enjoyed it. It was very petty. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> It, it feels so well. It feels like something I would do, and um, and so I did. Book, yeah, no, I just cursed you all um, every time. And look, I made a little bathing suit. That's oh, that's stolen. adorable. Yeah, I nicked it. Um, no, and then I also made a cloak, but it's not as good. <laughs> You're right, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make, Nina? Uh, I made a tiny, tiny little car. Oh, oh, that's adorable. That is adorable. That is actually really adorable. Is it cursed? Um, I'd try and drive it, see what happens. Yeah. It, will it, like, you could drive it with your finger and then your finger will break. No, it's not cursed. Thank oh. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I know I need that. <laughs> What have you got? And, oh, you haven't. Uh, I've got a post-it note that says buy pipe cleaners and make a thing. So <laughs> you'll have to wait, although it will be ready by the time this episode airs. Oh, magic. Just take a picture of the take a picture of the post-it note and I'll put that up. <laughs> <laughs> buy pipe cleaners. <laughs> and if you listen to the episode, which you have if you're at this point, thank you very much. You'll get the mm. joke. Yeah. You'll get the reference. If you've everyone already- else who sees it on social media would just be like, oh, Rhea really carrying you on the crafts this week, is she? Because uh, someone literally commented that this week. Oh, really? Yeah. Anything. Well, yeah. It was like the the phrase under the picture that I put, um, and then someone I know was like, 
Yeah, she really is. <laughs> <laughs> and they were right. Yeah, it's true. Handy pee. Um, but more importantly, though, it's the magical time to get sock hat. Sock hat. Hat sock. Bag hat. Sock bag. No one knows. It's bag hat. Someone knows. But it's not a hat. <laughs> it's not a hat anymore. I don't know. Why was, why was it a remnant? Oh, that's why. Because it was like you pull something out of a hat. But now we yeah. can pull it out of the bag. But it's kind of a sack. Sack bag. Urban legend. Oh, yes. It's about time. I'm just going to do it about all the movies. It's cool. I won't. <laughs> You're just going to tell us the plot. Yeah, yeah I'm going to tell you the plot of three movies. I mean, Wait, that's how, how many were there? Classic, Rhea. It uh, is. I don't know. I've only I seen saw the, the first, first one. Movie. Yeah. Ooh. Do you want to hear a random fact about that film? So, uh, Rebecca, did Rebecca the, one of the actors write your mum a letter in it? Yes, and I have no idea what it said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Rebecca Gayhart, who was the uh, person who turned out to be the murderer in the end of Urban Legend, spoilers, it's been 20 fucking years, people, go and see it, um, had to, I think, took a break from acting because she was driving her car and accidentally killed somebody. Oh, shit. You said yeah. fun fact. Yeah, I shouldn't have said fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking psychopath. Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) Are you sure she said fun and not interesting? interesting. No, I'm not. I don't know what she said. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I said. Did I say fun? I mean, I might have done. I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, I think it was. um, I think it was a child. I think she hit a child. I don't think she was um, drinking or anything. I think it was just that you know came out of nowhere. Um, Keeps getting more fun. Yeah. So moving on. Yeah, let's just cut all this. Just cut it all out. <laughs> no. Cut it cut it all out from when I start talking about what, the death what, of children. What craft are we going to do? Rhea, don't interrupt me when I'm talking about vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fun content everybody wanted. <laughs> anyway. Uh what are we gonna do next week? Did anybody do painting for their wild cards? No. If not, we could do painting. We've not done painting in a little while. Okay. okay. Except yeah. last time I did painting, I did Pazuzu, and I was like, I'm proud of that painting. And everyone was like, oh, it looks like you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Poor Nina. <laughs> I mean, to like, be fair, yeah. hey, listeners, <laughs> life being yeah, told dicks. how beautiful you are so I think it's probably okay to balance it out with sometimes you look like a demon <laughs> yeah it's all that nice right uh, please don't forget to rate review and subscribe you can review us on places like Apple and um, Podchaser and you can subscribe on any platform you like. You can follow us on Spotify and you can just say nice things about us if you like. And if you would like to suggest topics and some people recently have, which is awesome, uh, please message us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and uh, that'll be great. Thank you. And if you're looking for the sources for this episode, Smug Face, I remembered Smug Face, <laughs> they'll be included in the description when the podcast released. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
feeling smug about that. Um, so I guess all that's left to say is thank, thank you. Fred the wit. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs>